This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Bite Size Business Breakfast, everything that Tom and myself have been covering. Tuesday, March the 14th. That includes an in-depth look at the Silicon Valley bank collapse. We've been speaking to a number of experts this morning. One is Mr. Macro, Simon Feltham-Fletcher, CIO of Freedom Asset Management. And the other is a man who was speaking to executives at SVB as recently as last week, the angel investor and startup guru PK Gulati. We've also been looking at the very serious business of the Oscar goodie bags this year. Some directors, producers and actors took home a box of Batil dates. But how did Batil get in front of Oscar winners? We've been speaking to Duncan Muir, who's Senior Director for F&B and Retail at Batil. Right, what's Joe been saying about the economy? Right, yeah, exactly. And a lot of ramifications, a lot of questions um, after the Silicon Valley bank collapse and a lot of reassurance coming out from authorities from the US to the UK. This is the US President Joe Biden talking about some of the measures that they have put in place, uh, but also pointing a finger. During the Obama-Biden administration, we put in place tough requirements on banks like Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank including the Dodd-Frank law, to make sure that the crisis we saw in 2008 would not happen again. Unfortunately, the last administration rolled back some of these requirements. I'm going to ask Congress and the banking regulators to strengthen the rules for banks to make it less likely this kind of bank failure would happen again. Yeah, and we have seen authorities move exceptionally quickly, um, reassuring depositors that uh, even deposits over the usual insured amount of a quarter of a million dollars will be protected um, and also offering some uh, loan funds through the Fed to banks. This is Joe Biden making sure, well, just trying to calm everybody down, assuring depositors and taxpayers that their money is safe. All customers who had deposits in these banks can rest assured, I want to rest assured they'll be protected and they'll have access to their money as of today. That includes small businesses across the country that bank there and need to make payroll pay their bills and stay open for business. No losses will be, and I'm on, this is an important point, no losses will be borne by the taxpayers. And we will be speaking to guests about what happens going forward, including uh, what might happen with the next Fed rate hike decision. We've had uh, Daniel from Emirates MBD on that this morning. We've also had Simon Felton Fletcher from Freedom Asset Management. They uh, both seemed to think that a, a 50 basis point um, rise from the Fed was unlikely. There are banks out there as well that have issued reports saying that they're questioning whether we could even see 25 basis points. And it's not just a US story. The Chancellor of Exchequer in the UK, Jeremy Hunt, has been speaking on this as well after all-night discussions that involved the Prime Minister, the Bank of England and HSBC. A fire sale, a rescue deal, a one pound pickup for the UK arm of that US lender in order to stem any contagion into the UK banking and tech sector. This is Jeremy Hunt. Well, there was never a systemic risk to our financial stability in the UK. The Bank of England governor made that clear from the outset. But a number of our most promising and important technology and life science companies had their money with Silicon Valley Bank in their UK branch. 
So we've been working over the weekend. I've been in constant contact with the Governor of the Bank of England, uh, the Prudential Regulatory Authority, uh, the Prime Minister, to work up a solution. Uh, we do now have that solution. A sale has been agreed to HSBC, which is Europe's biggest bank, one of the most creditworthy institutions in the world. And what that means is that all those really important companies that had deposits with Silicon Valley Bank UK can access their deposits, uh, can access normal banking services as of this morning. Questions coming in this morning. Question from Tom uh, in Alwasan. Just asking. Do you think the pound actually gets paid? Yeah, I think the pound would get paid. The single solitary pound has to be handed over to the bank, does it? I would like to think, given that you are a country, that when people don't hit their inflation targets, an actual letter with an actual stamp needs to be sent between government institutions, that you would be the sort of people who would hand over the pound, yes. I, I love the idea of the pound being handed over. Oh, and and, and or, or equally, you know, after the negotiation, has anyone got a quid on them? Has anyone got a pound coin on them? Come on, yeah. can we seal this deal, please? Can I, can I tap for that? Can I borrow it? Can I borrow it? Is that right? Uh, who's been in touch as well. Mahmoud with a question saying, isn't uh, high rate impacting banks and causing these failures? Yeah, high interest rates are certainly being fingered in a couple of ways. One being um, the amount of, of borrowing that, that may have been done by tech firms that will have been done over the last decade at near zero interest rates. When rates go up, of course, um, people find it harder to pay back the uh, instalments on those loans, that's one factor. As indeed is the uh, the long term bonds that a lot of these um, a lot of the questions are being asked that the institution had bought into, and then of course when you need to cash those in quickly in order to have the liquidity to cover the deposits that are being taken out of your bank when there's a run on your bank, um, you are doing that at less than favourable rates. Let's hear now actually um, from someone else um, who knows a thing or two about venture capital. Kevin O'Leary is the chairman of O'Leary Ventures. You may recognise him from Shark tank where he is a host he's giving his thoughts about the biggest lesson to come out already from the svb collapse what effectively happened over the weekend is that he nationalized the american banking system it's no longer a risk it's no longer private in any sense it is now backstopped by the government ultimately the taxpayer so it doesn't matter how bad you are as a bank manager, and a good example is what happened in Silicon Valley Bank, that was a combination of a negligent board of directors and idiot management. And it completely wiped out that bank. And that's what should have happened. And we knew before the weekend started that every account with $250,000 or less was insured and anything beyond that, which is generally business accounts or sophisticated investors, was not. But that's all changed. Now you have no risk in any bank anytime and you, as the taxpayer, bear that going forward. Say what you really mean, Kevin. Um, we have had the US President uh, Joe Biden stand up and say um, that whilst depositors will be protected, management will not be protected and investors will not be protected. He said that there will be um, some sort of inquiry. And he and other lawmakers in the US have all stressed that it is a special fund that the banks pay into that effectively will be um, picking up the bill for this one rather than uh, the taxpayers. But... 
the questions that are being asked about what this means for the banking system going forward, particularly if we see more um, regulation, are uh, interesting indeed. Like I said, getting the thoughts of P.K. Galetti a little bit later on in the show this morning. Serena has joined us in studio. She's got news from Sharjah. What from the school system? Yes, a tuition fee hike of up to 5% has been approved for private schools in Sharjah. So this is for the 2023-24 academic year. Oh, yeah. However, schools with a rating below acceptable will not be eligible to increase their fees. So the Sharjah Private Education Authority said that the move is in order to achieve the highest level of quality teaching and learning in the Emirates. Now, recently, there was a similar move for private schools in Dubai, but for 3% and not 5 also for the 2023-24 academic year. Dubai's Knowledge and Human Development Authority also announced that it is linked to your inspection rating. So if you maintain the same rating, you can increase your tuition fees by up to 3%, but you will not be eligible for any fee increase if your annual rating drops. Uh, Meanwhile, schools that improve their rating will be eligible to increase their fees according to the method. Uh, that one. Yep, outlined in the school fees framework. Thanks, Tom. What's happening at Ramadan? Uh, the working day for employees in the private sector will be shortened by two hours during the holy month. That is according to the Ministry of Human Resources and Emiratization. If you missed them sharing the news on Monday, saying firms can introduce flexible or remote work schedules during the holy month as well. We already had the news regarding working hours for federal entities during Ramadan. The UAE's Federal Authority for Government Human Resources outlined that during the holy month, ministries and federal agencies, they will remain open from 9am to 2.30pm. That is Monday to Thursday. However, on a Friday... Working hours limited to three hours, and that is from 9 a.m. to midday. Uh, Some schools have already been sharing reduced timings with parents and guardians. I'm sure a lot of people have been getting that information through. Uh, But Ramadan expected to fall on the evening of March 22nd, so possibly the 23rd. Again, only speculation because we will be waiting for the Moonsiding Committee to make that official declaration. When are we? I mean... Predictions. So roughly, it could be Tuesday, 22nd evening. So technically the 23rd, but the 23rd, 24th are the two dates that have been floated out there. What's that? Tuesday, Wednesday, is it? I think today's Monday, Monday, 20th, Tuesday, 21st, Wednesday, 22nd. Thursday, the 20th. Wednesday, Thursday, possibly Wednesday, Thursday. But yeah, Moonsiding Committee. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. Where we are looking to make sense of the fallout from the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, SVB. Um, a very extraordinary 48, 72 hours. I'm very pleased to be joined in the studio by Simon Felton Fletcher, who's the CIO of Freedom Asset Management. Simon, good morning. Thanks for coming to us. Morning, Brandy. Before we get into what's happened in the last 24 hours, the promises that have been made by authorities, the stopgap measures that have been put in place, let's look first at how we got here. Well, it's an interesting one. Um, it's a good old-fashioned bank run. And... Um, a sort of mismatch between assets and liabilities and bank management that took way too much risk. Is this a good old-fashioned bank run or is this now a digital bank run, given the speed that depositors can now get at their deposits? Well, it's definitely a dig- digital run, but the fact it's just the fact that deposits just flew out. So it doesn't matter whether they're digital assets or whether it's a wire act. Money, money leaving a bank is, is bad news for a bank. Um, 
the problem was really exacerbated by the fact that the bank themselves made such really bad investments, um, which saw their share prices tumble. And then all of a sudden, confidence just evaporates. And then as soon as confidence evaporates, that's it. So we've heard from the US President Joe Biden this morning, questions will be asked, and there's already a fair bit of finger pointing going on um, across the, the pond. Uh, bank regulation is under the, the spotlight, um, whether or not the Trump administration rolled back too far, whether too many allowances were made for SV Bank itself. What are your thoughts? Well, compliance was... It's certainly got a light touch since uh, we're post-Trump. But I will say that the most important thing is actually the regulators themselves. You know, they can go in and they, they can go in and start looking at banks and, and what's going on. One of the th- key things is when the so SVB was investing in long-dated bonds, which have a maturity a lot longer than their deposits are ever, depositors are ever going to need, um, because they were trying to get a little bit of extra yield. So... Across the U.S. banking sector, this is going to be happening everywhere. And one of the things that we've seen yesterday, we saw First Republic Bank, we saw um, PacWest Bank, to show that their share prices collapse as well. So we're, we're a little bit worried that it might spread through other regional banks. Um, obviously, the president's words yesterday calmed everybody down. But this is, the next couple of days are, are quite scary for some of the regional banks now. A lot of these tech firms and startups will have been borrowing money at near zero interest rates. And of course, we've seen interest rates go up dramatically over the last year. How much is that at fault? Well, the, the fiscal tightening, so the monetary conditions overall. So we've had the Fed reduce their balance sheet. We've had interest rates go up. That is means that there's less money around. So Companies that did borrow at near zero is great. Um, one of the things that I talk about is the zombification that that causes. So you have companies that can afford to pay very low interest, but as soon as it starts to rise, then all of a sudden that net interest margin is huge. And as a result, they struggle. Um, in rising interest rates are a significant part of the problem, and we will see the Fed change its policy. Let's look at where we are now then and what needs to happen, both in those policy changes and anything else going forward. I mean, you mentioned their confidence and some of the the regional banks in the US that have since been hit. And I suppose financial services are in some ways a, a confidence game. You want everyone to feel that their deposits are safe so that you don't get a run on any other banks. Will the words that we have heard from from regulators, not just in the US, but in the UK, as well. Um, And the measures that have been put in place to guarantee um, deposits beyond the usual amount, beyond the usual insured quarter of a million dollars, is it enough? The words are good. Um, It all depends what else is in the the news cycle. So the Oscars, you know, the the Oscars being on is actually quite good in many ways because it takes people who's going to win the the best film and who's going to win whatever. Um, So it depends on the news cycle as well. It depends on what other things are coming up. Um, Confidence... It's, it's, it's a strange beast. It's, it's hard to build and all of a sudden just evaporates very quickly. So um, I think the words have been very good. I think the, um, the proof will be in how the, what happens in the next couple of, couple of days with the other regional banks. So, you know, I, I'd like to get my crystal ball out, but we'll have to wait. So what needs to happen, though, in terms of, of regulation um, to put longer term stop gaps in place? What would you like to see now? I'd like to see the regulators go in and actually have a little more understanding of the real risk. One of the problems that we have is that regulators often live in an ivory tower, um, have a checkbox, and they just run through certain things, and they don't think about risk in the way a trader would. 
So when I look at a fixed income, fixed uh, interest rate risk is one of the biggest risks you could ever have. For them not to notice that in what was an S&P 500 company is just insane. What about the the auditors? I mean, whenever we, we have a, a bit of a banking crisis, the auditors are always called into question as well. Will they be people under the microscope? Mm. Yes and no. I mean, auditors are looking a long way back. So regulating services as well. Ra- I mean, again, and rates. I was I was in uh, I was uh, comprising distressed debt in New York in the nineteen nineties. So credit agencies are not as in depth as perhaps the people would like to believe. You can pull the wool over their eyes. The regulators shouldn't be able to. You should, they're supposed to go in and just be able to un- look in any file and start to start to really rummage through things. And that doesn't happen. So from my perspective, it's not necessarily the, the, the laws that are in place. It's the enactment of the existing laws. So there's enough regulation to stop this thing happening. But Regulators don't walk in with the the gravitas and the power that they want, and that's a problem. What about the speed at which um, everyone has responded to this? Congress Zoom calls on a Sunday afternoon, all-night talks um, with the UK PM, the Bank of England, and a deal within 24 hours for the the UK arm to to try and reassure UK tech firms and and the wider banking economy. Have we learnt from 2008 what needs to happen about speed? 100%. Now, the speed that everything happened, you've got to take your hat off on that respect. So... Um, the, the blame game has started, but the, they, they mopped up the mess very, very quickly. So um, the Fed, the, the actions that they took, I was really unsurprised. I was completely surprised. So Circle had $3 billion with them, and we saw the stable price of a stable coin, which is supposed to be a dollar, um, collapse down to like 90 cents because um, people were petrified about what was going to happen with their SVB deposits. Um, the, the speed has meant that the fallout should be less. The impact on a portfolio companies of a whole bunch of venture funds will be smoothed out. And the, the most important thing is we should not see the complete raft of failures that um, not, not having access to your money may have caused. Right. Super quickly, 20 seconds. Globally, how far could this go? Well, again, uh, let me the, the rub in the crystal ball. I actually don't think it's going to go very far. I think this is going to be contained quite quickly within the US. Obviously, the UK had a bit of an impact. EU, there's virtually no impact to SVB, SVB at all. So I think give it a couple of days and it should have blown over. But this is a huge bank failure. It's exciting. <laughs> Do you think it will impact the Fed rate decision? Absolutely. There is no way they're cutting rates by the end of this year, but and also they are not going to hike by 50 basis points. It's just it's too much of a stress for the system. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning with that insight. Simon Felton-Fletcher, the CIO of Freedom Asset Management, speaking to us there about what we have seen in the last 24, 48 hours coming out, not just from the US, but from the UK as well, in response to the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Yeah, and as the tech sector takes stock of the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and investors take stock of the tech sector. Uh, we are speaking to a tech insider, a man who th- knows a thing or two about a tech startup. He's the angel investor, P.K. Gulati. Prashant Gulati, thank you, P.K., for being with us this morning. Happy to be here. Uh, you were speaking to SVB as recently as a week ago. They were in your house. How come? Well, you know, I have known Silicon Valley Bank and have banked with them for many years. Um, And I do have an account with Silicon Valley Bank. 
And um, the team from Silicon Valley Bank has been exceptionally proactive. So if you go around looking on, say, social media, you find that people are very happy about the team, though not happy about the consequence of what happened. Because majority of the people who banked with them or worked with them actually felt that they'd made the effort to actually help them. Let's take a step backwards and put this in context for us. Can you explain the significance, the importance of SVB to the tech sector? So typically, if you go back to when startups started becoming big, they were not exactly the kind of bank accounts which traditional banks wanted to open. They did not understand them. They thought they were too small and they were too risky. So out comes Silicon Valley Bank, which had Silicon Valley kind of uh, genes in it. So they came forward and started talking and banking and supporting some companies like this. And that is how the whole pedigree of Silicon Valley Bank came up. They were the people who would lend to you know startups. They were the people who would open bank accounts for them. They were pretty big in this region specifically because they were the people who allowed small startups who'd raise some money to open bank accounts internationally, despite being foreign companies and foreign founders. And that is the reason, and they did that globally. Doing that, they became the darlings of the startup industry in that sense. How big in this region? I don't know the exact number, but pretty substantial uh, in the sense few thousand accounts, I would believe, because most of my VC friends have their accounts there. Most of my VC friends' portfolio companies were having, um, you know, their bases, uh, you know, uh, or their, let's put it this accounts, as well as, you know, debt coming from Silicon Valley Bank, because they were very big in venture debt. So what could the collapse of SVB mean for those tech startups and those VCs in the UAE in this region? If you asked me two days ago, the, it was a lot of doom and gloom because nobody knew what was going to happen beyond the insured $250,000 in the account. But today, after the announcement from the US, they've all been covered up. So their money is safe, which is the good news. But the impact will be further because now they need to find other banks. They will need to find another account to open and move their money there. And then, of course, the question about where do you keep your money, how safe is who, all that comes all over again. I mean, you must have been having some interesting WhatsApp and phone conversations over the last 48 plus hours. Before that guarantee, were people here looking at trying to pull their money out? Oh, everybody was. In fact, um, you know, if you go on social media, you'll find specific people giving out details of how they were working till late in the night to try and open another account so that they could move the money because a lot of them did not have a second account. So they could move it to a lot of people are not able to move the account. A lot of the people got caught in the quagmire of all the wires which are supposed to go out and did not go out in time before the bank got closed. So there were horror stories. There were stories about people having a very large chunk of money, which they had, for example, raised from a VC sitting there and not being able to pay uh, their creditors or for that matter, anybody else employees. How reassured are those that that you're talking to and yourself as someone who has an account with SVB by what we have heard from all authorities about what they've done to stop the bleeding? Well, um, I believe in the US Fed in the sense of when they say that they're going to guarantee the money that was in the bank, uh, that is a very, very good sign in the sense we will get our money back. Now, the devil in the detail would be how quickly. When will this money come for people to be able to use it? Also, I understand at this point of time, they're, they're not doing international transfers from your account. So which should start soon, as the email says. 
So people will probably move their money to local accounts in, in the U.S. first and then try to move them somewhere else. You say the email says, what communication have you had? So as a, as an account owner, I've got the email basically telling me what has happened in the sense telling us how the Fed has defined that you will get your money back and that the, the, you know, the system is going online. In the beginning, they expect a lot of loads. So you may find, you know, at times you're not able to, you know, kind of access it. So bear with us. And uh, they will not be doing international transfers for some time while this gets ready. Uh, local transfers would happen. What does that mean for people who need to pay, make payroll, who need to pay salaries? I think it, 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 it actually gets them the money. Also, remember, a lot of people, a lot of VCs, a lot of other lenders have come forward who have started giving them lines in return for money that is held there because they believe the money will come back. So with uh, a lien on the, that, a lot of lenders are now giving people, you know, payroll money or doing their payroll in return for, you know, a lien on that money. You know the people inside SVB quite well, and there's a lot of finger pointing going on at the moment. Uh, the US President Joe Biden standing up saying, we're going to help depositors, we're not going to help management. Um, and uh, others sort of saying, you know, look, the, the failure was within the bank. What do you think? Well, I think there can't be smoke without a fire somewhere. So somebody does seem to have not done his job uh, very well. And it probably happened at a very high level in the sense that decision was uh, not of the people who actually deal with people, accounts and startups because of the simple reason that uh, most of the people use the bank account as basically in and out, taking money from their customers and paying out their employees and salaries. What questions do you want to see asked now? Uh, I want to make sure that somebody asks this question so this doesn't happen again. You know, there's also this big question which has come forward from both sides as customers as well as banks, where the basic service of a bank account, money in, money out, is separated from what our money does as investment. Because most of these people who get affected were the people who actually had no output coming from what the bank was doing in terms of investment and stuff. So maybe it should be separated. So this question about treasury and bank, banks, you know, services being separated is becoming a pretty big subject to talk about. Do you think that we could see a tech startup in this region, in this country go under because of this, because of what's happened with SVB? Two days ago, it was, uh, it would have been fait accompli. But today, it probably isn't because now even VCs and supporters of that company will save that. But it's also a wake-up call irrespective in the sense that we need to have support from our local banks and local supports to keep these accounts here. Why shouldn't we be able to keep the money for a company which works here in this region, in this region, is something which we need to talk about. Well, thank you so much for talking to us this morning. PK Gulati is an angel investor. Um, he's a startup veteran, uh, and he was speaking to the guys from Silicon Valley Bank. He had them in his home as little as a week ago, a Silicon Valley Bank uh, account holder as well, giving us his thoughts uh, and impressions of what has gone on with the SVB. Collapse. I just found a pound in my pocket. By by Silicon Valley Bank UK. <laughs> if I find another you 20 missed. pence, do you reckon they'll consider my offer or not? Uh, you missed, I think. They already signed. <laughs> Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Right, we are. Time now for us to turn our attention to uh, all things, well, I'm going to say dates, but by 
Updates by way of entertainment. Why? Uh, Round about this time yesterday, uh, we were wallowing in all things Oscars. Um, And then we got a really interesting text message come through from one of our listeners saying, do you know that in the Oscars this year, the goodie bag, the much revered goodie bag that winners and directors get at the Oscars, which has some of the most extraordinary products in it, included some Batil dates this year, which got us thinking and thought, wow. So people that did this. And the Oscar goes to Michelle Yeoh. As a child, Michelle Yeoh studied to become a ballet dancer and despite her illustrious career in action films, has no formal training in martial arts. Thank you. For all the little boys and girls who look like me watching tonight, (laughs) this is a beacon of hope and possibilities. This is proof that dreams dream big and dreams do come true. Obviously, she went on to thank Batil a little later on as well as she munched on her Batils later in the evening. Uh, Duncan Muir is the Senior Director of F&B at Re- and Retail at Batil International, joining us live here in the studio. Duncan, it's good to see you as always. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So first and foremost, can you confirm one way or other whether there were Batil dates in the goodie bag at the Oscars yesterday? Yes, I'm, I'm pleased to say I can. We had um, the, the, the very unique opportunity to present, um, uh, th- I think you said 38 boxes um, that were given out to selected nominees um, as part of the overall gift bag. I think everyone wins. It was the name of the campaign. And we is a project we've been working on for a couple of years to try and um, present the opportunity. And then this year we were successful. And um, yeah, we're very proud. I think it's great for something so indigenous to this region to be part of something so global as the Oscars. It's extraordinary as well. I mean, I mean, talking of global reach as well, is the, is the US a market for Batil? Is it a growing market? It, it is. We have, a, we have a presence there, we, especially online. We have a very strong presence there. And Batil is, is, is what is a, started off as a regional brand. It has, is definitely a, an international brand. And that's why we, we do initiatives like this. It's a global opportunity for us to promote this amazing product we have and, and the brand that we've developed over the last 30 years. We know that obviously a celebrity do like they like a rider. You know, they send a list of riders through, otherwise they won't turn up, etc. Did you get the opportunity to send a rider through? You know, we'll put our dates in your bag, but we need this. <laughs> no, we were a little bit more flexible than that. We're not we're, we're not as high maintenance as, as as some of those celebrities. But um, no, it's great to and and hopefully out of this we we may get a. A little bit of coverage from from one of the winners or one of the nominees, um, and that'll be a fantastic achievement. But it's just nice to 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 put something on the global stage like this. Just how do you actually get it there, though, Duncan? I mean, how does it happen from from the start? So, so there's a uh, an entity that selects and, and and kind of vets what's what's going into the bag, and obviously there's different remits and different um, kind of requirements. So we we just presented what we we developed a very special box as part of our Ramadan campaign, um, one of our most exclusive and probably our best looking box ever, 
um, and obviously we freshly, freshly filled it with dates. And um, we were very successful to be selected as part of um, a selection process that they go through. Um, and then certain um, products are obviously put together in different packages for different different awards. And we were very fortunate to be in, in the kind of the, the main awards, which was amazing as well. So yeah. you, did, you didn't get the opportunity to pack the bags yourself personally? No, no I didn't. But one of, one of my <laughs> team members were very fortunate. We, we flew them to, to, to Los Angeles for a week. They personally, because obviously it's, we want to make sure everything is absolutely perfect. So we had all the different components sent sent to, sent to the states, and he sat there patiently for three or four days and meticulously packed these boxes, wow. so they were perfectly looking. So yeah. Do you have to pay to have it there? Um, it's a it's a it's a it's a more of a marketing spend that we would do linked to this. So we would have to contribute, obviously, the stock and all the items that we send there, and and obviously facilitate the process. Um, but, but is there a? I mean, is there a fee? Is there a? It will cost you ten thousand. $20,000 to get your dates in this bag? There's a nominal fee that we have to pay as, as part of the process and obviously to get the products there. So that's something that we kind of factored into it. Obviously, the end objective is, is the international coverage we get from this. So we think it's a, a great initiative um, for the big and the good of the, the date industry and, and obviously for our, our, our brand as well. Straight dates or dates with nuts? So it was a mixture. Was half of them were, <laughs> were stuffed with the likes of apricot and salted macadamia and, and pistachio. And then there were some plain dates as well. So we, we, we basically handpicked what we believe is the, the most sort of desired combinations of our dates. It's a brilliant um, story. Brilliant yeah. story for, for, a, for a company that is, uh, for a company and a product that is indigenous to this part of the world. Uh, to, for it to get a global um, footing like that is, is, is very, very good. And especially, is, especially, I think, with Ramadan just around the corner, we wanted to ask you about Ramadan whilst you're here as well. How important is the Ramadan market for you and Batil? Oh, it's, it's massive. It's um, our whole kind of year is around Ramadan. It's it's thirty percent of our um dates we sell across the whole year. Thirty percent. I sold in that one month alone. Um our, if you take the week before the start of Ramadan, the week the first week of Ramadan, our our daily consumption or sales is an eight eightfold increase. So it's just a massive peak for us. Obviously dates are culturally and, and more in the modern world in terms of the gifting world is is so connected to the Ramadan experience. So mm. it's a massive experience for us. So yeah. We're we're very very geared up for it now. The teams are all ready to, to to fulfill all the orders that we've got coming in now. Well, we're seeing, and Brandon and I talk often about, you know, booming industries here at the moment. Uh, we're seeing a booming population here at the moment as well. Could this be one of your best Ramadans ever? Oh, oh without doubt. We, we're pretty confident that we'll, we'll, this will break all records. Last year was fantastic, especially coming out of COVID. We, we were a little bit caught off guard how, how busy we were. Um, this year, the, the early signs are that we're significantly up on last year already. The orders we've got coming in are very, very positive. Um, and, and globally, we're, we're getting a lot of inquiries, um, um, even before the, the Oscars glamour <laughs> yesterday. So, no, we, we're confident this year the, the signs are all there. And, we, and we've had a very strong year up to now anyway with, without the, the, the Ramadan impact. So I think we're, we're very well placed um, to, to, break, to break some records and, and fulfil the requirements of, of what is a, a booming economy out there. Mm. Yeah, we've got about 30 seconds left with you. Have some of the cost increases that have hit um, other food companies hit Batil? They have, and we've obviously had to carefully manage that. Thankfully, with a massive growth we're going through now, we've managed to offset some of that with our volumes. Um, we also do comp control all of our supply chain, especially around dates. So we own the farms. 
we own the processing plants, we own the package, packaging facilities. So we're able to control a lot of it because it's come from within our own resources. But there are some, um, some implications, probably more so on the restaurant side of the business than the date side of the business. Uh, bless you. Thanks so much indeed for coming in. I hope you enjoyed the Oscars. hope you enjoy uh, Ramadan as well. It sounds like it's going to be a busy one for you and the team. But thanks so much indeed for your time this morning. Thank you. It's a pleasure. A big thanks to Duncan Muir, who's the Senior Director, F&B and Retail at Batil International, whose dates were in the Everyone Wins gift bag at the Oscars yesterday. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.